Hey, this is the Last Coffee House. We are back with the best of literature. This one is A Farewell to Arms by Ernest Hemingway. It was published 1929. It's set in Italy during World War One. Now, Hemingway, I think we've done we've done something to Hemingway, right? We did his collection of short stories, I think, really early on. So now we're running back into him. This was his first major novel. I don't think it was his first one, period, but it was his first major one that really sold and gave him the national or international notoriety that he would eventually receive. So, this kind of, it chronicles the experiences of Frederick Henry, an American in the Italian military, and he's part of, like, the medical crew. Now, as far as I understand it, it's loosely based on a lot of the experiences that he had when he was serving in the military. I'm not super keen on the name Frederick Henry. It's a little... <laughs> level bam in your face generic two first names kind of thing i don't know just something weird about that name but anyway the contents of the book he meets an english nurse and starts taking an interest in that relationship this is as it starts out he's sent to the front line where he's injured in a mortar attack but one of the things about this book that i really appreciated you know i said he was part of the medical crew so that's an oblique way to approach a war type of story and obviously it could have been his experience that he was in in the medical division or the medical corps as opposed to the combat corps but it's an oblique approach to war i keep thinking about that movie hacksaw ridge by mel gibson it's pretty forgettable but that had a similar take that it was it's a different kind of a relationship to a traditional story you know the the story the war story obviously the really straightforward one is just the heroism the i'm super tough and i survived it the plain whores of war kind of a situation but this is like it's more oblique and because there's not a whole bunch of deep rumination by Hemingway. I mean, obviously, if you've ever read Hemingway, that's not the kind of writer he is. It gives it a really kind of a different approach when it comes to this kind of a story. So anyway, he's sent to the front. He's injured in a mortar attack. And like I said, it's not he's injured in the throes of heroism, like he's storming a beachhead or something like that. And he gets injured. He was bringing food to the troops after a long extended conversation about, are we going to get to eat? When are we going to get to eat? What can we eat? And he's like, all right, I'll go get the food. Again, it's, it's a more interesting take on that. Anyway, while he's convalescing, did you know that Tupac Shakur taught me that word, convalescence? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, he's convalescing, and during this, he builds up this relationship with Catherine, the nurse, and eventually during their tryst, it gets physical, physical, and she gets pregnant. So, obviously, this is a war situation. He's in Italy, he's in a foreign country, he's trying to fight for who he thinks are the good guys in World War One against the Germans. So, you've got this dramatic situation, obviously. He's sent back to the front, and when he gets back to the front, he realizes the morale of the Italian soldiers that he left behind has deteriorated significantly because there have been bad bad developments in the war effort and then there's some circumstances lead him to engage in some morally questionable behavior and then they take like this circuitous route to try to get somewhere and they get lost and there are other issues where they're just saying like what are we doing here what's the point of this but eventually he gets arrested so i'm i mean obviously <laughs> sorry i didn't say this at the outset because this is a relatively short straightforward plot wise book so i'm, I'm giving you some broad spoilers on how the plot functions, but I'm not going to spoil all of it. I'm not going to say like, oh, this is how it ended or anything like that. I'm just giving you, okay, this is kind of how the plot progressed. But he gets he gets arrested and he wants to return to Catherine. And so that's the, that's kind of the basic overarching story structure. Now, one thing about Hemingway, there aren't, as you'd see in a lot of other kinds of literature of the era or literature in general, or a lot of the books that we're going to read, there aren't a bunch of thematic, broad, philosophical ideas that are working in 
in the background, unless I'm missing something, you know, dramatically. It's more about exploring kind of very similar, more limited themes. Well, philosophically limited themes, you know, about horrors of war and what it means and whether it's meaningful to be heroic and what war actually actually is and what it looks like. And, and then throwing in some human relationship stuff, which is kind of unique. So it's a really particular kind of romance. You know, there's a romance that you see in a, in a rom-com. There's a romance that you see in a drama and the way that people interact and how they care for each other or don't care for each other, get mad at each other and, and have conflicts and all that sort of thing. But there's something weird about the romances in Hemingway's writings. Uh, there's also this idea of a stoic strength in the face of extreme circumstances. So you'll see this in a lot of his, his works. I remember there's that short story where the guy was gangrene. They were stuck up on a mountain that they tried to climb and he had gangrene. He was going through his slow death <laughs> with his wife there. And, and it's just, you see this a lot where the, there's this kind of weird, almost annoyed stoic strength when under extreme circumstances. And there's this kind of masculinity in it that you're supposed to just deal with what's in front of you. But it's kind of a, an annoyance with the fact that you need to deal with what's in front of you or you're supposed to just deal with it instead of having somebody deliver you from it or something like that. There's some some kind of psychological thing going on there. So the dialogue, and I'm obviously full on into my analysis now, the dialogue, I went back and forth in reading this again. I think I started out hating it and then I kind of grew an appreciation for it because there are these extensive periods where they're just, they're just kind of back and forth where they're not really saying what they should be saying to each other and it's this weird thing where it's like there's this kind of open lying where both characters are lying but both characters know that the characters are lying <laughs> And it's it could simply be explained as somebody who's saying the thing that they know the other person wants to hear. You know, that kind of a back and forth where both parties are just saying the thing that they want, they know the other person wants to hear as opposed to being honest with them. But there's a recognition on both parties that they know that it's a lie and they're fine with lying to each other about things. So it's a different kind of a way for people to interact when it comes to dialogue and character and psychology and emotions. But I don't think, I think it's, it's particular of Hemingway as opposed to particular of these characters in this story story. And that's one of the things about Hemingway. He seems to have a really, it's a unique voice and a unique writing style, but it's really kind of in a box. It's in his box. You know, he can't broaden out and do all these different kinds of characters and different kinds of stories. He just, he has this story and he retells it in a bunch of different ways, you know? And it, sometimes it has kind of a soap opera quality where the characters seem to be like excessively operatic, where they're like in the throes of, of passions in a, in a kind of way. Not in in the sense that they're yelling and being histrionic about, oh, this emotion and that emotion, but in the sense of there's an excessive artificiality to it. There's there's something on the on the surface that you, if you skimmed it away, you'd get to the real stuff, but but it, it always has that, that extra bit on it, <laughs> this bit of artificiality on it. Not to say, I don't know how better I can explain this. <laughs> it's like he writes them specifically to be that, to have that layer of artificiality. Uh, not that he's saying that the characters themselves are artificial. He's just making the characters express some artificiality so that there's a buffer in between, you know, what's real about them and what's not. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> So the plot in general, it's it's enjoyable, but it's kind of lesser. There's not a whole lot that actually happens. It really, one of the things about Hemingway's books is I have such clear images, especially of this one in recent memory, I have such clear images in my brain of what it looks like, and I haven't seen any movies or anything that represent this. I know they made some, but I have such clear images of what this looks like and, you know, where the people were and how it looked to me as I'm reading it and all that. And that's one of the very powerful things about Hemingway's writings 
that you can get these very clear images from the way that he writes, which is, it has its trade-offs, but it's, it's kind of nice, you know, to be able to live through that in that way. And even though there's not a whole lot to the plot, it did seem to happen organically. It didn't feel like too much of it was contrived, where it was like, oh, that come out, came out of nowhere, or that was convenient, or anything like that. It mostly felt organic. And it's not about the glorification of the protagonist. That's the furthest thing from, which is the most annoying thing that you see in most books and movies, etc., where the whole point is just the glorification of the protagonist. But this is absolutely not that. <laughs> it's not trying to do that. I mean, to some extent, you could say that any story where the romance works out or it's effective or you're attractive to somebody else or something like that or lauded by somebody that to some degree it's glorification of the protagonist but it doesn't feel like that's the point when it comes to this novel there were like extra characters some other characters who are smaller characters who came in and out who had some significance which was nice i mean you've heard it heard me talk about false world theory and having real moving parts instead of just ornaments to the protagonist and and it felt like there were more mo- moving parts real moving parts okay so let's let's do some quotes so you know what it sounds like, and then we'll be through a farewell to arms. Quote, In the late summer of that year, we lived in a house in a village that looked across the river and the plain to the mountains. That's the first sentence, opening sentence. Quote, Outside we ran across the brickyard, shell burst short near the riverbank. Then there was one that we did not hear coming until the sudden rush. Both went flat and with the flash and bump of the burst, and the smell heard the singeing off of the fragments and the rattle of falling brick. Again, Hemingway's got very simple, clean, easy to follow prose, but it's often creative. The cleanliness of the language, and any time he uses something unique, some kind of unique phrasing or anything like that, it just it can be so moving and meaningful in the context. Quote, Through the other noise I heard a cough, then came the cha-cha-cha-cha, then there was a flash, as when a blast furnace door swung open, and a roar that started white and went red and on and on in a rushing wind. I tried to breathe, but my breath would not come, and I felt myself rush bodily out of myself, and out and out and out and all the time bodily in the wind. I went out swiftly all of myself and I knew I was dead and that it had all been a mistake to think you just died. Then I floated and instead of going on I felt myself slide back. I breathed and I was back. When it comes to action descriptions, I mean that really felt like it was moving. You know, It was moving along. It wasn't a static just, oh, these things happened. It felt it felt like it had momentum and it was going and it was going back and, and you felt the tumult of what was happening. Quote, he looks like a skinned rabbit with a puckered up old man's face, end quote. (laughs) So if you know what that's describing, if you've read the book or you will be reading the book, then I think that's an excellent description that we should have in our back pocket. He looked like a skinned rabbit with a puckered up old man's face. I like it. So in summary, it was just, it's so easy to read. Hemingway is always easy to read. It's not as substantial as other works of his and not quite as memorable to my estimation, but it's still good. And the prose has its own character, of course. There aren't many quotes or phrases that blew me away that I'm going to take with me and, and, you know, want to save somewhere that I can use at a later date or something like that. But it's still, it's super enjoyable to read. So anyway, that's a farewell to arms. Ernest Hemingway. We've got more stuff coming up. We've got the Jordan Peterson reading list. We've got the Ben Shapiro reading list. Got Sam Harris reading list. And I just saved another reading list, but I'm going to try to knock out a couple of those before I (laughs) add any more. (laughs) Before I add any more reading lists to this stuff. Really appreciate it. Hope all is well. Okay, I'll see you on the next one. Bye. (laughs) 